0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby Say Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. One day, I got kind of full of myself, and we had this, this young, you know, two-year-old filly, and I went out there and was bored. And so I threw a saddle up on her and to see what she would do. And she didn't do nothing. I cinched her up. She didn't do anything. I jipped her around a few times. She's a little bit lazy about it, but compliant. Was I mean, like it, it couldn't have gone any easier. And I wasn't in some fancy cross tie or cedar lined round pin. I was in a... <laughs> uh, two and seven eighths square pin built out of oil field pipe, right? With with a hay feeder in there and, you know, just all the stuff that is safe for putting the first ride on a colt. You know what I mean? And so anyway, yeah, I, I jumped up next to her and she didn't do anything. So I stuck a foot in the stirrup and I stood up in the stirrup. She's just like, what are you doing? So I got back down. I did that a couple of times, man. It was going so great. I decided to throw a leg over. So I threw a leg over and she just, I was like, where's the hay? You know, no big deal. So I kind of got her to moving around. And I'm not going to say that, you know, <laughs> she wasn't doing no sliding stops, throwing 11s down or anything like that. But, you know, for, for the very first ride, man, you couldn't have asked for anything more. And I'm kind of of the opinion that you always stop on a good note, right? So it went pretty good. And I stepped off and unsaddled her and gave her a little bit of uh sweet feed for for her efforts and I walked inside and dad said what you been doing I said yeah I just put the first ride on on spicy he goes you did what I said yeah I'm a cowboy that's what we do <laughs> He goes well how'd it go and I said I'm gonna take her gathering tomorrow he goes you are I was like yeah I'm a cowboy he goes Okay <laughs> you always know you got a cowboy dad right whenever he's like he sees the wreck coming even though you don't because you're stupid and he's like, okay, I should have asked where we were gathering the next day. So, you know, it, the, the way things worked on the Rocker B Ranch is that whenever you were going to gather and, and it, was, it was shipping season. And whenever we went out and, and we just, uh, we, we weaned right on the truck. You know, you just split the calves off, put them on and, and sent them down the road. And so anyway, it was customary for us we would be sitting all by ourselves. We, we, we got off on a jig line and, and the cow boss, as, as he was going along, he'd just holler for somebody. You know, he'd say, Paul. And dad would stop and that was going to be his area. And then he'd holler out the next cowboy, you know, quarter or half a mile later or whatever it was. And so anyway, you would be sitting there in the darkness waiting for the sun to rise. And then whenever the sun would come up, you'd hear somebody way down at the end maybe. Woo. And then the next guy would, next guy, next guy, next guy. And that was your, that was your cue to go. So anyway, the next morning I woke up and I went out and I caught spicy and I saddled her up. She did great again. And I was just riding her in a little old and hackamore and I loaded her up in the trailer. She did good. And so we took off and if I'm not mistaken, this is about four 15 in the morning. And so we're driving along and it took us about 45 minutes of of dirt road driving to reach this. And and so about halfway there, I asked dad, I was like, hey, where are we gathering today? And his answer made me a little queasy because he said, we're going to be gathering bullhead. And I said, why didn't you tell me we was gathering bullhead today? He goes, you didn't ask. Now that doesn't really mean a lot to a lot of you bullhead at the time. I don't know if it's still the same was 17 sections under one pasture. Now, if you don't know what a section is, a section is 640 acres. Or if you, that doesn't mean anything to you, a section is one square mile of land. So this was 17 square miles under one fence that we were gonna be gathering. And I was gonna be riding a colt that had one saddle for around 10 minutes. And so you, you don't really pay attention, or I wasn't paying attention to a lot of stuff, and, and, and we pulled up where, where all the cowboys were, and that's one of my favorite times uh, of cowboying is when everybody gets to the same spot, cowboys were coming from different parts of the ranches, and you know everybody's got a thermos of coffee, and it doesn't matter if you saw that person last night, you always walk up and you're like, Hey, how you doing this morning, Craig? How you doing this morning, Lance? How you doing this morning, Tommy? You know, you, you, you sh- everybody shakes everybody's hands and y'all have a cup of coffee. And then everybody's watching the cow boss. Okay. When the cow boss goes over there and starts getting his horse out, doesn't matter if you're mid drink, you go get your horse out. And so everybody had their headlights on as they're getting ready. And so we all get ready and the headlights start going off. It was only then that I realized that there was a nice cloud cover and there was a, it was a new moon. I don't know why they call it a new moon because when there's a new moon, that means there's no moon. I I think they should just call it no moon. I am not kidding y'all. There is I, I might exaggerate a lot, but I'm not exaggerating when I say you could not see the hand in front of your face. And so anyway, I sent spicy up and needless to say, I was, there was this queasy feeling because it's one thing to get on a horse one afternoon on a Sunday afternoon. And it's another thing to put the second ride on a colt in pitch darkness in the 17 square mile pasture, and so I was just as nervous, and, and and I also understand that like the more nervous you are, the the horse can feel that. So you know, I was doing some deep Zen meditation. Zzz, you know, I'm a cowboy. <laughs> and so anyway, I cinched her up, and I kind of jipped her around, couldn't see her, but you know I could feel the lead rope and, or the macate. And so anyway, I jipped her around a few times and my dad was like, where are you at? I'm, like, I'm right here. And so anyway, I stepped up on her. There are no atheists on the back of a horse on the second ride in a 17 section pasture in pitch darkness. I found my relation. I deepened my relationship with God that morning. And so anyway, I, I got on her And, and everything was fine. And, and, and by now my eyes are starting to adjust and, you know, it's big oil field out there. And so, you know, there were some lights out in the distance. So you kind of get your bearings a little bit, you know, you, you figured out where you were by finding a light, you know, 10 miles over there. And then you move your head and you can see a truck, (laughs) you know, that blocks out the light. So I kind of knew where we were and the boss says, all right, let's go. And you could hear the boss. Strike a long trot and then everybody else started. And of course the horse can see better than we can at night. So she kind of files right on in and I am still just, man, I am praying in the spirit of God. And so anyway, we're riding along and all of a sudden, man, I feel her like that. And I hear, ah, (laughs) spite. We found out something about spicy. She did not like horses right behind her. And so every time a horse would come up behind her, she would kick out, not buck. She would just try to kick them. And so anyway, I started pulling her up and I, and I backed to the end of the line. And so anyway, we we're weaving through mesquite and everything. We get, we get over and we, we make a turn down this fence line that we're going to use as the starting place to gather this. And, and we probably long trotted 45 minutes, something like that, to, to get to where we were supposed to go. And then uh, all of a sudden from the front, I hear Kevin. So I pull her up. She didn't want to be around any of those other horses until there was no other horses. And it's still dark, right? And so I'm having to pull her up and she's... Everybody knew where I was. Y'all probably heard it if you were, if, you know, if you'd have been paying attention, you ought to heard it up here. And so anyway, I'm just trying to keep her... In the spot that I am, and I'm petting her, and I'm talking real sweet to her, is real good, and real good practice for whenever I met my wife, you know, that sweet talk. And it's okay, baby, I love you. You're so pretty. And so by now, you know, the, the it's getting gray, and you start, you know, you can start finally starting to see stuff. And, and I bet we stood there for 30, 45 minutes, something like that, on, on a colt. And so I, I'm trying to keep her mind busy. You know, I'm backing her up. I'm moving her in circles. I'm trying to get her to move her, her back in and just doing whatever I can to, to pass the time. Because standing still was not working. And finally, the sweetest sound I ever heard was whoop. And then it was down the line. So here we go. We start going out across the pasture and... and uh, she didn't know what speed to go. She didn't know how to rate yet. So, you know, once I got her going, you know, she she wanted to go fast. She's like, Let, let's get back home. So she starts to lope off and I'm like, no, no, no. We, we, this is not the time for loping. You know, do you not see the cactus and the mesquite? And I want to remain on top. And so anyway, I got her slowed down and then she would come to a standstill. So basically the rest of the day was spent either like this you know pulling her back or like this trying to get her to go and you know pulling her you know there was no neck ring it's like ugh, like turning a freight train off tracks you know ugh, come on go this way this way and you know we we ended up finding some cattle you know she she looked at them but she had no idea she'd never worked cattle she didn't know what the deal was and so anyway getting around the cattle and pushing them the way we were supposed to go but by the end of the day we finished without any real incident other than I was just dead dog (laughs) tired I told you that hanging in my office is a horseshoe with a leather backing on it and it's got like you know uh leather lace or whatever you call leather string uh gone through the holes and there's a picture of me and Spicy at the end of that day. And it's one of my most treasured possessions. Um, I, I, I look like I'd been run through a grinder, even though nothing happened. But you know, there's a lot of steps to finishing a good horse. It would have been a long, long time, possibly 10 years or more before she was ready for the Alamar knot. But with work every single day, building on each day and adding just a little bit more. Every day she would have succeeded and she did. Now, some of you that might not have been here last week, I used a term in there called an alomar knot. And a lot of you like, I'm not sure what an alomar knot. And I'll read the same short little article that I got out of the Western Horseman. So I I want to give them credit for it. it says, One of the most interesting knots to become synonymous with the California vaquero and the bridle horse culture is the Alamar knot. A purely decorative knot, it evolved into a symbol of a horse being in the bridle, meaning that the horse had reached a level of training where he was comfortably working in a spade bit. This achievement between vaquero and horse could take up to 10 years of patient work progressing through numerous training steps that did not rush the horse. The Alamar knot represents that legacy of taking the time that it takes, that the slow means fast approach continues to be practiced today by by many bridle horse aficionados. We have many in here today that practice that type of training. On special occasions to celebrate the horse's level of competency, the vaquero of old would take his finest horsehair macate and wrap it around twice around the horse's neck and carefully tie the alamar knot in the two ends, making sure when finished that the ends were even. Basically, it, it's a long piece of horsehair rope that is wrapped around the horse's neck and it's kind of a big knot and it's just kind of woven through. And, and to me, it kind of looks like a heart when, it, when it's finished. But when you see the Alamar knot on a horse, that means that it, it rides in the spade bit, or, or you know maybe even now that some of that vaquero, that buckaroo, that uh, California has, has spread out. It just means that this is a finished horse. Now, I don't know that there's ever a such thing as a finished horse, but it has reached a level of competency. I, I, I love watching um, those horses that, that are either at that level or reaching that level. You know, Ty, Ty's got a gray horse that's nearly there. W- watching him ride that horse is amazing because it doesn't look like he's doing anything. It doesn't matter if he's at full stupid across the pasture, going to rope a wild cow or a, or a foot rot calf or whatever. Like, he, he doesn't have to do much with his hands. He can do a lot with just his just leaning forward, backward, side to side, little bit of leg pressure. There's none of this, you know, jerking things around. The horse and the rider have become one. We're talking this week, we're part two of a sermon called A Finished Faith. A Finished Faith. God wants us to reach a level of competency, to where he can use us for his good deeds. There's a verse in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. It says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because a lot of people, man, you know, I, I'm not saying that, that, that you're not saved, but at the same time, man, a, a lot of Christians are like a cult that only gets ridden three or four times a year. You can't get much done on them. They don't know what's going on. They don't know to pay attention to what's happening. They don't know how to rate. They don't know how to track. You know, They don't know which lead to be in. They don't respond to subtle cues. And and I think that describes a lot of Christians out there, but that's not what God wants. God wants you to be at a level of proficiency so that at the end, he can put the alomar knot on you and say, this cowboy, this cowgirl is finished. It, is, it has reached a level of competency where me and him, where me and her can work together. Now, I told you what verse eight says. It says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgiving that, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So, so what is Peter talking about? What is the Holy Spirit through Peter talking about when he says, for if you possess these qualities, this Sunday and next Sunday, next Sunday we'll finish up. I will be talking about seven disciplines for a finished faith. Just like in finishing a horse, you know, God is trying to finish us and and he's going to build and build and build and taking the time that it takes. Listen, I I can't tell you how many times of of those of us that that practice uh, the cowboy way of life uh, frequently or for a living that, that we hear or horse trainers hear. Well, can you take my new colt and ride it for 30 days so I can take it on a, on a trail ride? Listen, 30 days don't make a finished horse. 90 days don't take a finished horse. 120 days don't, take a, don't make a finished horse. You want to you wanna give your horse to a horse trainer so you can take it and do it in? Go give it to Ty and give him 10 years. Because that's about what it takes to have what you would call a finished horse. Seven disciplines for a finished faith. So let's back up to verse five and find out what those are for this very reason. Make every effort to add to your faith, goodness into goodness, knowledge into knowledge, self-control into self-control, perseverance into perseverance, godliness and to godliness, mutual affection into mutual affection, love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Now, I want you to understand one thing before we get started in these. This does not mean that if you don't do these, you aren't saved. Okay? I heard an illustration uh, last week that said that that heaven is kind of like a safe harbor. And and sailing into this uh safe harbor at the end of our lives, there's gonna be some uh ships that you can tell have been through storms and their sails are patched, but but they but they sail in there strong. And then there's gonna be some Christians that make it to heaven and they're gonna be basically doggy paddling with a piece of driftwood across their You know, hanging on to a piece of driftwood, in other words, I don't want that to be you because there is a form of godliness that is ineffective and powerless. If you don't want to be one of those Christians that is ineffective and powerless, or as as Paul puts it, ineffective and unproductive, then you must do these seven things. Not just these seven things, these are just the guidelines. This is this is a small snapshot of the Christian life and seven disciplines that we need to learn. And it's the slow means fast approach. That these will take years, man. You're not gonna be able to institute these today and tomorrow go, where's my Alamar knot? I'm finished, I, I did all seven of them today. No oh, man, this takes years and years and years. Anybody can do them while we're sitting in church. Anybody can do them while we're sitting at a service. Anybody can do these when times are tough. But what this becomes is a lifestyle, a discipline. And it takes discipline to be a disciple. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Now, you see what he says there, add to your faith. Faith is the foundation of it. Without faith, you are not saved. Without faith, you are not saved. You can't be saved even by exhibiting these seven qualities, the foundation. And, 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 I, and I tried to come up, I, I I tried to get a little bit out of the box, but not away from the message. I mean, I, I could have taken a biblical definition of the definition of faith that you've heard time and time again But, but I wrote this and some of you may agree with it. And, and, and I know that some of you are going to be like, well, you forgot to add this and you forgot to add that. Listen, I know this is just a, a simplistic term to help people understand. This is what I wrote. This is what faith is. Jesus is the most important one in the world to you. It is through him that you have access to God. And it is in him that you have the power of God residing in you through the Holy spirit. In Jesus, all things are finished, all things are forgiven, and the final victory is absolutely guaranteed. Our response to such gifts are the seven disciplines that will grant us the Alamar knot for a finished faith. So let's start going through these seven disciplines. The very first one, it says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Goodness. What is goodness? Listen, in its simplistic, in the simplest form that I, that my P brain can come up with. May I define goodness as this? Just be a freaking good person. Okay. I mean, seriously, you you, you think about it. You know, I've got a two year old granddaughter, right? And, And we are trying to train her on how to be a good person. Don't hit don't bite, share your toys. Don't throw a fit. Isn't it funny that we ask two year olds to do it. And then when we become 25 and 45, we think it's okay to do those things. You know, I really think if a two year old could speak. It'd be like, you need to practice what you preach. <laughs> do not throw a fit. <laughs> what, what are you doing? <laughs> right? Are you not throwing a fit? Cause I'm throwing a fit. You know, I mean, just listen, man, if it seriously, if I have to try to explain to you what it means to be a good person, we need to have a sit down talk and I'm going to bring my hot shot. Okay. Out of love, out of love. I mean, isn't it amazing that we can teach kids how to be good and then we forget everything that we taught them? We do. Be a good person. How do we do that? By doing the way things Jesus said to do them. By doing the way that Jesus did them. And how are you going to know how Jesus did things? By reading that magical book that they call the Bible or that we call the Bible. I mean, listen, guys, if you've said this, just just know that I am not picking on you. But I get so sick and tired of hearing that same old excuse. Well, I just don't understand it. We'll read until you find something that you do. Okay. nobody understands the whole thing. You know, sometimes I'm reading along and all of a sudden I hadn't understood anything. And 10 years later, I read the same thing. And I'm like, oh, that's what that means. Because I was at a level to understand that. Listen, man, if you're new to reading the Bible, just read it until you do understand something. And when you do understand it, start putting it into practice. And usually what that's going to mean is to be a good freaking person. Okay. You know, I, I, I saw this quote and, and, I, and I really loved it. it. It's easy to be a good person until, until other people are involved, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess if we was all monks living in a line camp all by ourselves, it ain't that hard to be a good person. It's a different story at Walmart or the elementary school pickup line. <laughs> people lose their ever loving mind I just want to have a sign put on my back window that says, do unto others in this line as you have told your kids to do unto others. <laughs> my gosh, they lose their minds. You know, the people that you're around and, 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 take, and I don't want to say, take this with a grain of salt. You know, don't, don't pick it apart. Just, just, just try to take this for what it is. The people that you're around, most of them, they're not friends, but they're not enemies either. They're just strangers going through different things than you're going through. I mean, seriously, you're no better than them. You're no worse than them. You don't know what they're going through. Maybe they need to poop. I don't know. Maybe that's why they're in a hurry, you know? I mean, seriously, we've all been there. You're not trying to be rude. There's gonna be an accident if you don't get through that line quickly. So how do we apply this to our lives? <laughs> you wear a diaper. That's what you do. NASA makes them. They make some that'll hold like 30 or 40 pounds. Speaking of two year olds, when it says 12 to 14 pounds, that is all it will hold. Seriously, not, not an ounce more. There will be a blowout. Listen, if you want to be a good person, man, give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Because how many times in your life has there been something happening? And golly, man, it has nothing to do with anybody else, man. But your, your stomach is tore up, man. You're having a hard time. Maybe you ain't even told nobody how you're feeling uh, you, you got this tightness in your chest, you got this uneasy feeling and you get a little snappy or quippy or anything. Man, wouldn't it be nice, the greatest gift that you could receive at that time is just the benefit of the doubt. Well, you know what? If you want to be given the benefit of the doubt, it's not rocket mechanics to know that maybe you want to give somebody else the benefit of the doubt. Be a good freaking person, man. Another way to be a good person is to do what Jesus told us to do in Matthew 18, 15 through 19. It says, if you have something to say to someone, say it to their face. Do you know how much better off your life would be? Our community would be, our county would be, our state would be, our country would be, and this world would be. If people settled their differences by going to each other instead of Facebook or social media or whatever else, or to the cafe or to the coffee shop, if you got something to say to somebody, say it to their face. That's what Jesus said. He said, if a brother offends you, and just because you're offended, that does not mean that you're right, okay? If your brother offends you, go to that person. I cannot tell you how many times in my life that I have put this into practice and I've gone up to somebody and said, hey man, we need to talk. They're like, what's up? I said, well, you said this. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, this is the way I took it. And they're like, oh no, 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 no. That's not what I meant. Gosh, I'm sorry. I was talking about this. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, now that I can see it from your perspective, you know, yeah, we're good. And Jesus said, if you've got a problem with somebody, go to their face. Don't talk to them, not trying to prove that you're right, but, but by the goal being reconciliation, not to decide who's right and who's wrong. Sometimes it might just be that they have a difference of opinion than you. And you know what? That is fine. The mark of maturity is whenever somebody can have a difference of opinion than you and you can still love them and get along. Good grief, man. We've become a country and, 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 and. Even within the church, man, we're so divided. There are churches splitting o- over the color of the carpet. That is stupid. That is stupid. And who cares? Give the benefit of the doubt. If you've got something to say to somebody, say it to their face. If you think those two things are tough, how about this one? Watch what you say. This includes your face, okay? because I can keep my mouth shut, but my face says everything that my mouth doesn't, right? You know what I mean? I can keep my mouth shut. It's controlling my face, my eyes. My eyes don't roll back in my head far enough sometimes. You know, just just be, be a good person, man. Be a good person. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge. So you see how we're kind of progressing here? You know, we're starting off in the round pen and then we're going out into the pasture. Add to goodness, knowledge. Where is knowledge found? Knowledge, true knowledge and wisdom is only found in God's word. That is the only source of truth. The church, tr- your opinion does not make it truth. You can have an opinion, but just because it's your opinion does not make it the truth. The truth can only be found in God's word. And in Romans chapter 14, we talked about it about a month ago, is, you know, disputable matters. There are things in the Bible that that is not covered. And, And when things are not covered, we are free to choose. Well, if you want the freedom to choose, love says that you must give somebody else the freedom to choose as well. Not the freedom to choose your way but the freedom to choose what they like. They may have different ideological beliefs and I'm not talking, maybe they have a different faith, man. That's on them. Their faith is their responsibility because every single one of us, at one point in our life, hopefully it's down here, but if it's not down here, every knee will bow to Christ. Every knee will bow to Christ. Be willing to learn from God's word And you can't learn from God's word without diving into it, of knowing what it says, of knowing what it says. How do we apply this to our lives? How about this here? True growth happens when you become tired of your own excuses instead of gripping about everybody else's. That's when you start using knowledge to grow yourself. Man, quit worrying about what everybody else is doing. Quit worrying about what everybody else is saying. You be good. And you learn from God. And what I mean by learning from God is by doing things the way he said, because is not wisdom, the application of knowledge. If you don't have that knowledge, you can never practice wisdom. We must be willing to learn what God said. How can we call upon the promises of God if we don't know what they are? Get in your books, man, and and, and read them. Quit. I'm tired of the excuses of, well, I just don't understand what it says, man. Read that son of a gun until you do understand something. All right. It it really isn't that hard. There is something in there that you can apply to your lives. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, into goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. You see how they progressively get just a little bit more difficult. And while some people may disagree with me, I, I think that Peter is kind of telling us, man, you, you got to have faith to start off. And then you add to that faith by learning what it means to be a good person. And, and, and when you when you kind of start getting that going, then you start growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then when you start growing in that knowledge of Jesus Christ, you got to start applying that knowledge. And you know what you're going to have to have? You're going to have to have Self-control self-control is mastering yourself self-control is doing away with your own excuses because it's easy to point out what everybody else should do what should you be doing like i said quit worrying about what everybody else is doing we always want to focus on what we do well and focus on what other people's don't do well and each and every one of you's got something to work on but we always push it to the back burner and, and and we always make that that excuse of well nobody's perfect well, you're right about that. Nobody's perfect. That don't mean we that we shouldn't be trying. True growth happens when you become tired of your own excuses. When you take faith and you add to that faith goodness and you and you add to goodness uh, knowledge and when you start taking that knowledge and if you're going to apply it to your life, man, you're going to have to have some, some self-control. And if you thought that those were hard, <laughs> guess what? We're going to get a little bit more advanced. I didn't really give you applications to self-control. Let me give you just a couple, just food for thought. Self-control, quit taking things personal. Everything that everybody else says, including you, is more indicative of what they're going through rather than who you are. You want to master self-control? Quit taking things personal. You want to exercise self-control? You worry about you. And the third thing, master yourself and the rest won't matter. When you master yourself, what other people do, does, do's, does, whatever, you know what I mean? Man, it, it just becomes smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. The person that has not mastered their self, everything everybody else does is huge. But the person that has mastered himself with adding to their faith, goodness and to goodness, knowledge and to knowledge, self-control and to self-control the next one master yourself and the rest won't matter. What's next. It just keeps getting a little bit more advanced and advanced and advanced. The next one is perseverance. Another translation calls perseverance, patient, endurance, patient, endurance, learn to handle the hard. Like you do the easy (laughs) you ever seen those people that when they're in a good mood, they're like, Hey, we're in a good mood, man. Why are you so down, man? Turn that frown upside down. And you just want to hit them with a bat. (laughs) How about I turn your smile upside down? You know what I mean? Perseverance or patient endurance is learning to take everything in stride. Not just the good, but even the bad. Learn to handle everything the hard way like you do the easy. You know, there's an old saying that says, everyone wants to be on the mountaintop, but nothing grows there. I see pictures of these Connor boys, when they're guiding people up in the mountains and they take these pictures, man, that just will take your breath away from the top of these big mountains. And there's not nothing up there except them. Everybody wants to be on the mountaintop, but nothing grows up there. Nothing grows up there. It's the valley where things grow. Keep going. Patient endurance means to keep going. Keep going by adding goodness to your faith and knowledge to goodness and self-control to knowledge and perseverance to self-control. You know, I read this this week and man, it it, it, it just made me pause for a minute for the Christian. This life is the only hell that we will know for the unsaved. This is the only, the only heaven they will ever experience. Keep going, keep going. Quitting doesn't solve the problems. It starts them over. Quitting does not solve your problems. It just starts them over. Wasn't it Winston Churchill that said, if you're going through hell, just keep going? Man, that's what we gotta do is that patient endurance. Man, there are gonna be the times that we reach that mountaintop and we can just marvel at God's glory and and his creation and all of that stuff. But you know what? When we're in the valley, we need to have that same attitude. About three years later, Spicy had turned into a pretty good mare. She'd turned into a pretty good mare. And one day we're we're off the Rocker B now, we're at our ranch outside of Fort Stockton, Texas at Kinosa. And that afternoon I happened to see my dad and he was walking around like he had shattered his femur. I mean he just could he, he could just barely walk and I was like what's the matter with you? Don't ever ask a cowboy what's the matter with you because they'll probably show you. So he dropped his britches and I'm like, just tell me, right? He had a bruise that started on the inside of his thigh and it was such a bad bruise that it had worked its way to the other side. I'm talking about a deep yellowish purple type bruise. And I said, did you get kicked by something? He goes, "No, Spicy bucked me off." I'm like, "What?" I mean, this this mare had never bucked, never bucked in her life, and I said, "What?" How, am I, you know, my dad, you know, he's he's pretty sticky, so for a horse to unload him, it must have caught him way off guard or or bucked real hard, and and probably both. And he said, "Man, I was just long trotting out. I was going to check the cattle." And everything was going good. She seemed just fine. And I kicked her into a lope. And, and and y'all that ride like, you'll know what I'm talking about. When you kick a horse from a lope, they'll kind of take a big, not a lunge, but their head will come up as they transition from, from a trot into a lope. He said, her head came up like she was going to go into that left lead. And he said, her head went up. And when it came down, it just kept going. <laughs> And he said, she bogged her head and just bucked me off hard. And he had hit the swell in the saddle horn as he came off. I was like, dang, dad, I bet that hurt. He goes, yeah. He said, we're going to go check cattle again tomorrow. You're riding her. I was like, what? Get back on, cowboy. He's like, I'm too old for this. You're going to ride her tomorrow. So the next morning we got up and me and my brother and my dad, we saddled up and they were riding along and I said, look, I, I, I'm going to take her and I, I, am going to long trot and I, I'll, I'll see y'all in a little while. I, I'll meet you there. He's like, all right. So anyway, I saddled her up and just, just like nearly since day one. Now she had a good handle on her. Now you could ride her in a, in, in a bit and all of that. And man, she was relaxed and she was, she was doing good. And anyway, I, trotted her for, for quite a while. And, uh, anyway, uh, it was time to kick her into a lope. Now I wasn't going to be surprised and and I wasn't trying to tense up and I, and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't real nervous or anything. I thought that, you know, something must've happened, but sure enough, it happened just like he said it would at the last minute, she bogged her head and I did something probably for the first time. That I had been told that knowledge had been passed along to me throughout generations. And I don't know that I had ever really put it into practice out in a pasture. It went against every fiber of my being. And it's the scariest thing in the world to do. Even though these old cowboys have told us time and time again that this is what you should do. And the result was a knockdown drag out. Not between me and Spicy, but between what I wanted and the knowledge that I had been given. My dad rode up not seeing the epic battle that had taken place and he saw me standing on the ground, putting my hat back on, and me and Spicy <laughs> both quivering. He said, You okay? Yep. He said, She didn't buck you off too hard, did she? And then I told him what had happened, and he couldn't believe it, and neither will you. You got three guesses what's coming up next. For those of you who do not know, you'll have to come back next week to find out. You'll have to come back next week to find out how reverence and obedience changed my outlook from the back of a bucking horse. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we want you to, we all want to be finished and have that Alomar knot hung around our neck. And when that time comes, God, you have given us everything that we need to succeed, but we have to put the work in ourselves. Most of it comes from getting out of our own way and following yours. Give us the strength to do that. God, you want every single person listening to come under your protection, your guidance, and your will. Love us, God, forgive us. And may we do the same to others and pass along the exact same thing that you've given us, which is love, grace, and mercy. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.